everyone. The silence of arrival is such a nice time. So let's continue um, in a bit more intentional way with our uh, sitting together. And remembering that we are sitting together, even though we're on these little squares on a screen or you're in your home somewhere. <clears throat> it's a great blessing to be able to be together.
what if we really understood deep, deeply in our bones that when the bell is rung, it's not so much that we begin something we call meditation, whatever that might mean for each of us, not some activity that's special or circumscribed from the rest of our lives, but what if we realized fully that this simple, silent stillness is a way to enact with your body an appreciation for your life. Instead of saying, now I'm going to meditate, we'd say, now I'm going to stop all my other activities and sit with some stillness and upright dignity to really appreciate my life. That I have a life, that I am alive. Even if there's much that we don't appreciate, we appreciate the fact that we have a life. Even if our perception is that we may be a bit alone, we appreciate that we're always supported and encouraged by everything around us just to simply appreciate our life. We're not waiting for something new or better to happen. We're not wishing for something special or exalted or even spiritual, but a deep, simple appreciation for each breath the weight of our body sitting on our chair or our cushion or wherever we are, to feel the way we rest on the earth, to appreciate that we have a place to rest. To appreciate our sensing body that can hear and smell and taste and touch, and feel things and think. It's a miracle. And when we slow down our busyness and sit, we can appreciate this. Being held on the earth, being aware of our awareness. And in so doing, we appreciate the presence of everything just the fact of our beautiful existence together. So it may look or feel like we're just sitting in front of a computer screen doing nothing. But that would miss the profound reality of what's actually happening if we tune ourselves 
in an intentional way to appreciate our life. And then when the second bell comes to, quote, end the meditation, it's a bell of celebration for having taken the time to appreciate our life, to engage in an active practice of appreciating our life. And then the small verse that we chant, at least typically here and sometimes after Zazen, the verse of the robe is a reflection of that appreciation. So let's enjoy that now as we listen to the bell. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. It's good to see so many of you. <clears throat> uh, every once in a while, something on the screen, you know, jumps out or gets my attention. And today it's Wayne's yellow shirt. I just love that. So. I was thinking the work we did together when we were together in the same place was more than 40 years ago. It's hard to believe. And last week I was speaking about, of course, a, a teacher who had departed and it wasn't about him so much, but it was about what we learned from the way he approached his illness, his death. And because it was a, um, a beautiful way of talking about how we practice together. And as I, I spoke a bit and even connected with some of you, um, you, you could tell that there are times when I kind of uh, tear up a little bit. Um, it seems to be happening more these days. Uh, but it's, it, it's not because of just a grief or sadness. There's a, a tenderizing quality, I think, of aging and also practice. And I was reflecting on this and writing a few notes down so that I have a little, my thoughts together a little bit for today. I was doing this on Sunday morning and an email came into my, my box that sometimes, you know, emails are annoying 
but sometimes they're like little missives from heaven or something. And, and this email the, uh, from the um, uh, Nothing Special Sangha uh, in the UK, uh, part of the Just This Family there, uh, they always have a, a quote from a teacher that um, precedes their invitation for practice. And as I'm reflecting on my kind of shaky, uh, leaky quality, the quote that came in the email at that very moment was from, it was taken from uh, Seamus Haney, who's a wonderful Irish poet, his uh, translation of the Aeneid. In one line, there are tears at the heart of things. There are tears at the heart of things. And I was so surprised by this. Uh, and it reminded me of another quote from uh, Camus from his notebooks, in which he sort of suggests, he says, live to the point of tears. Live to the point of tears. And I felt it was something about this appreciation of life. You know, there, there are plenty of things to cry over these days, uh, goodness knows, as you look around. But, but that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. I find myself tearing up over the most, um, the most mundane but extraordinary things and occurrences. And then I stumbled uh, along this path and continued to stumble along over another uh, quote from Camus, which was from his summer in Algiers. Um, he said, if there is any sin against life, it consists not so much in despairing of life as in hoping for another life in, in eluding the implacable grandeur of this life eluding the implacable grandeur of this life. There are tears at the heart of things. Live to the point of tears. The difficulties aren't in despairing of life, but wishing for another one and in, in eluding the implacable grandeur of this life. Appreciating one's life. You know, my, my deep good friend and, and neighbor, DeWitt Jones, um, he's a National Geographic photographer and speaker, and you know, his theme really has been over the decades and decades of working for the Geographic is celebrate what's right with the world. And if you haven't seen his uh, TEDx talk, please, please do so. If you just look up celebrate what's right with the world for DeWitt, it'll come up. It's worth, wonderful and worth watching. And, you know, this is not some Pollyanna perspective on light and love, you know, that denies the difficulties we're surrounded with every, every single day. But it's a willingness. A willingness to be changed by the beauty and goodness that surrounds us and the fullness of life that surrounds us. This profound appreciation. And it's full of nourishment. It's nourishing to meet 
you know, the inevitable difficulties and when we meet them. And it's also a shift in perspective. And, you know, DeWitt as a photographer, he, he says, you know, change your lens, change your life. And in, in many ways, that's what practice does for us. To notice what's always here, what's already here, the majesty of the ordinary and the ordinary magic that infuses our lives with joy, or at least with peace. The majesty of the ordinary and the ordinary magic that infuses our lives. Celebrate what's always with you. Appreciate. In Zen practice, we point deeply to that which is never destroyed by all the tumble of events and the, and the real difficulties that unfold around us. And celebrate the mystery and the beauty which is, which you can't create, is not created by your personal effort or your personal power or efficacy in some way. And it's also not by destroyed by all the things you think are your mistakes and failings. This is what spiritual practice takes us deeper into and what Zen practice offers us. So in some ways, this celebration means to be alive, alive, and to appreciate that, not to worship something, and certainly not to attach ourselves to something one-sided, like only being positive or optimistic, and not denying anything but to plunge into the fullness of our aliveness. The world isn't all light and love in that sort of, you know, naive, new agey way. It's, it's not that. And denying it doesn't help the negative, but being alive in the midst of it all and to be nourished through that aliveness is infused with love. And it is the light of awareness by plunging into it all. And your wakeful nature which is our natural state, actually. That's the natural state. We think sometimes being wakeful is like some special state. That's the natural state. Buddha nature, pure awareness, whatever you want to call it, that's who and what you are. And it's everything around you, even if it doesn't manifest or show up in the ways that you'd like. And here's the shocking thing. And this way of seeing and experiencing this wakeful freedom, clarity beyond ordinary experience and events is always available, always. And this is a radical kind of reality because it's not based on pleasure or happiness or satisfaction. And it's an astounding reality that is always available. And it's a kind of a beauty that's beyond aesthetics or preference. It's deeply appreciating one's, one's life. So as I was reflecting on these things, I thought, well, my tears, which I then suddenly became thought of as my non-despair. The tears were non-despair, celebrating what's the whole real beautiful tragic 
thing that we live in, it unfolds through certain qualities I've been reflecting on in certain talks. And, you know, last week I spoke primarily about gratitude because I was reflecting on Steve Stuckey's practice of gratitude, which he spoke about toward the end of his life. Celebrating what's right. Gratitude beyond just uh, an appreciation for what you prefer. And I, I felt that the kind of leakiness that I was experiencing was this kind of uh, gratitude, non-specific gratitude, this deep appreciation, uh, poignancy of life. And I just as I, I mentioned this thing about uh, Wayne a while ago, just because I his yellow shirt captured me. But many of you, I went around the screen and started to think, oh, I've known this person this long and this long and this long. And some people knew it doesn't really matter. But and I was looking at some photographs recently uh, when I was visiting uh, mom and Kathy. And I look at when we were younger and it sort of breaks my heart. Not because I'm unhappy because I'm old and gray. I'm really appreciating that. But the appreciation extends to, um, it, I don't know how to speak about it. It's a deep kind of gratitude uh, for those times in life. And that naturally brings forward the next quality of uh, generosity, because it's very natural to respond by wanting to offer oneself back when everything is being so fully given and has always been so fully given, even in the difficult, tumbled stories that we have about our lives, you know. But that the mixture of that gratitude and sort of a generosity of spirit that, that moves together is also infused with a deep humility because it's not egocentric. It's not, oh, look what life I had or look what I've done. It's natural and without expectation, it's joyful. It's a profound humility that is comes from this generosity and, and gratitude. And the real surprise as you practice them, and the real surprise for me is I practice these and allow them to unfold as you begin to realize they're all the same thing. They're all exactly the same thing. But there is no gratitude without humility, no generosity without gratitude, no humility. It's presence itself pure presence without desire, nothing extra, not lost in samsara and all the side roads and byways of longing and attachment and aversion and clinging and despair and hope and joy and then a crash. It's pres pure presence, full of gratitude, generosity and humility as one, one real thing. So I began to also think about what are the bare essentials in practice of uh, if we unpack gratitude further. And there are four qualities. I have these lists, <laughs> but there is the way it comes to me uh, that I want to just say a few things about within this gr gratitude, generosity, humility is a uh, curiosity and patience, intimacy and care. So it's a curiosity. Curiosity is the um, uh, universal solvent. It's the thing we turn to 
we're not sure when we're not sure what to do go to curiosity it's turning toward each moment with an open mind rather than a fixed view let's see without curiosity we're not going to be vulnerable to the fullness of each moment that possibility is not going to be there instead we're caught in evaluation and judgment good bad right wrong i like this i don't like that and personal preference which is a very narrow lens and usually doesn't turn out that well but if we open to curiosity and when we do because so much comes forward that doesn't feel very generous <laughs> it doesn't feel infused with humility or our, our gratitude is we have to have patience the second quality curiosity and patience with ourselves offering ourselves the space and the time for all that arises within that open space of real curiosity especially all those things that do not feel like gratitude those parts of us who were not curious but parts of us that are fearful angry sad confused they all belong And so we meet them with intimacy, curiosity, patience with all that arises, and then intimacy, meeting what arises, both inside and outside, just as it is as best we can, like meaning, meeting like, meeting things just as they are. I'm, I'm not talking about intimacy as sentiment or certainly not romanticism and not even about human relationships. I mean, talking about a fierce and tender willingness to be with what is, with this curiosity and patience I'm speaking about. It's spacious and close. And so naturally, we want to offer the fourth quality, which is care. We open to curiosity, surrounded and held by patience, so we are intimate with each moment and care naturally unfolds. Everything and everyone is worthy of your care. So we naturally offer it. Even if we don't do a darn thing to help. You can ask yourself, am I holding my experience and the experience of others with an open heart and an aspiration for goodness? This is simple a kindness. I mean, curiosity and patience and intimacy and care flow with, with gratitude then, and we have loving presence. And of course, discernment is a necessary quality of a wholesome life. We make choices. But these discernments arise out of wisdom and compassion. If we practice in this way, not uh, narrow views or confirmation bias or fears, dreams, and it goes on and on. It comes out of real wisdom, real compassion. This is, some of you are familiar with Buddhist iconography, is Manjushri Sword, uh, cutting through delusion. Excuse me, hit my computer. <laughs> uh, this is Avalokiteshvara's uh, 1,000 hands and eyes meeting the cries of the world. And whether it's Manjushri attempting to discern wisdom or Avalokiteshvara uh, opening of a thousand eyes and arms to, to meet the world with compassion, they're doing so with curiosity, with patience, with intimacy and care. 
this pure loving presence. So how does this manifest in everyday practice? So I, I wanted to think about that for a moment. In, every, in your practice, my pra everyday practice, and another serendipity, I was uh, driving to town to do some some chores. And one of the things I do uh, when I'm driving, I know some of you probably do this too, is I'll turn on a drama talk. Because then I'm driving along listening to somebody. And I was listening to Norman Fisher. Um, and he was talking about the practice of resting in, in pure awareness. So it was a little more um, philosophical in a way. Um, and this is what caught my attention. He was talking about the, how do we do this? How, how do we become aware of our awareness? How do we rest in this deeper, deeper place, not so caught by our conditioning? And he said, I'm quoting, he says, you are not supposed to do it. You are to stop doing the other things. The trying, the grasping, the manipulation. There's more to the talk. But, but he said, you're not supposed to do it. You can't do fundamental reality, but you can stop. And so we enact that by stopping and sitting and being quiet and appreciating our life just to rest and allow it to happen by itself. Remember I said the radical truth is it's always available all the time. It's always true. It's already true, but you may not have noticed it. And certain situations like our sitting together or certain people, those people who care about you, whatever can help you relax and open more easily or more fully to this radical openness and appreciation and celebration of your life. And as soon as you think, oh, I got, as soon as you make it an object of your awareness, of course, you lose it because you're back into the subject object swirl of perception and, and duality. But let's look at actual practice day to day. Suppose you're going to do some formal practice like, um, like gratitude, like Steve Suki was talking about, or you're doing tonglen. Some of you are aware of this uh, Tibetan practice of offering and receiving, breathing, breathing in the difficulties and breathing out uh, goodness and light. Uh, maybe a loving kindness metta practice, or maybe you're saying a mantra, or you, or you have some idea how to do one of them, to do them. And mostly we, and here are the traps, because most of us usually, we think we either do them or we fail to do them. Because if we're in the doing mode, then that's what's going to come up. You're going to either do it, <clears throat> do it well, <clears throat> or you're going to fail at it. And this sets up a painful cycle that our practices are designed to actually free us from. Our practices are designed to free us from success and failure, not push us towards success. That's why in Zazen, it seems like we're not doing anything because we're not. We're taking the backward step, as Dogen said, into radical non-doing so that the world can come to us. The point is not to do these things in this ordinary instrumental way. The point is to practice with these things that arise in that simplified space, to come back over and over, making your best effort in each moment with curiosity and patience. 
even, even though we get distracted or parts arise in us which take us in directions that are really different from our lofty aspirations for spiritual practice, we have a commitment to keep coming back to the wholesome effort to practice. This is intimacy and care. And then you just simply see what happens. And mostly nothing happens. Or some surprising or counterintuitive thing happens. All this just means you're human and you have a human mind. <laughs> so you come back with curiosity and patience, being intimate with what's arising, being kind to yourself, come what may, and to keep on with the practice. Practice is not about doing things the right way. And it's certainly not about feeling a certain way. This is the single most common destructive trap and side road to practice is attaching to pleasurable states. If I do it right, number one, I will feel better. The practice is about really understanding who you are and what your life is about. And that's a very profound practice in a radical reorientation to life. And in doing so, you offer yourself a chance for something fresh to arise. Instead of just battling the parts that you don't like and trying to get to the parts you do, something fresh can arise when all that is laid down. To realize what's beyond your predictable thoughts and habitual feelings. To discover that your nature is not bound by just your perceptions and the virtual worlds that they create that we think is the actual world. And to remember that you have access in every single moment, every single moment, to the freedom that's described by all the teachers of every wisdom tradition, no matter what the name, this is available to you in every single moment. And the term inquiry that we use as we gather here is just shorthand for curiosity, patience, intimacy, and care. And so certainly this must have raised some questions for some of you or some things that you might want to meet about because it's in a meeting that our deep appreciation takes on form. Appreciation for our life. Coming forward is the enactment of generosity and patience and care intimacy. Hello, Lynn. I'm kind of surprised that I'm here. <laughs> I know the feeling. You <laughs> we were talking about serendipity. And One of the things that's been happening for me in my practice is the question that I have been asking myself is how do I, how does my heart stay open and tender? So I can feel it beating. <laughs> 
And I feel as if my heart wanted to meet your heart. Uh, say that again, please. I think my heart just wanted to meet your heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you said that question about your heart opening, my question to you was, and what's opening it now? Leaking. <laughs> I'm leaking. This, this meeting. I mean, our meeting, our encounter. Just this pure and simple presence really is enough if, if we're open to it, if we have the curiosity and willingness to meet it. And words begin to fail. They're not, they're not relevant. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're not uh, large enough to hold what's here, but we can appreciate and we can feel and we can realize and participate in this kind of loving presence. Yeah. Which includes everything. And everybody. And everybody. Mm -hmm. Thank you for walking with me in that into that space. Thank you. We have Rosemary. Go from the north of England to the shores of New Jersey. Hi, Flint. Hi. And everyone. Um, this I'm so glad that you came up soon. What's that? I'm glad you came up soon. Oh. Rather than later? Sometimes, sometimes you wait, you know, I've just noticed a habit, you know, it's not a bad thing. I just noticed it's like, wow, Rosemary is right here. I'm right here. Well, your talk was right here for me. As we were sitting, there were like two parts for my sit. I was crying in both of them. And in the first part, so what I've been working with is a lot of uncertainty from my working life to my semi not working life and, you know, trying to be with this uncertainty in a, in a more open way, less fearful way, less, uh, and also less striving kind of way. Mm -hmm. And um, so in the, I hadn't been feeling tearful, but boy, in that first part of the sit, it really came, um, I felt very exposed, you know, mm -hmm. I've, in my life, I've, I've been driven, I've gotten degrees, that's how I dealt with my identity. Um, I know that one. <laughs> You identify with that. Um, and then when you started talking and um, you went back to the, I say back because of last week's talk, to the appreciation of now, it was such a relief mm -hmm. because I, did, I didn't have to feel so much the grief of what I didn't have or what is going to happen. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I, and then the the relief brought a lot of tears too <laughs> because i felt very um um there was an opening then to to, yeah, to be here yeah. now yeah you know um that's that setting down that we talked about and suddenly something else can open yeah yeah and i 
I know when I, I was doing a lot of planning this morning about the things that I have in my mind that might be the things that I'll put my energy into. And, and I thought, you know, a lot of um, how I've approached what I do with my energy has been um, to be seen, to be, you know, to be the yeah. one, you know, and all of that. And um, I started to think right before we sat, before the, this meeting, um, well, what's your intention about all these things? Good. So that's kind of where I was at right before the meeting. So I, I just appreciate um, where you went with this. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate your reflections too, because they deepen whatever prompts I might have offered in a real, real life. What you just said called something else to mind when you sat and you said, I, I want to see what my intention is. You know, and you may remember when I was, I've, I've said recently, I was talking to uh, Victoria Austin, who's the, the senior priest who helped Peg and I, you know, with my Dharma transmission, and she's been a Dharma sister for a long time. And she was Blanche's assistant while she was dying. And on the last night before Blanche died the next morning, on their last conversation, when Vicky was about to leave, Blanche said, Let, let's check our intentions. When you've said that before, it really stuck. Yeah, that's her last teaching. It's like, I what, what, what are we doing here? And why? Yeah, even if it's the last thing you do. Mm -hmm. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Blunt. Well, we continue to sweep across the globe from northern England to the east coast now to the west coast in Vancouver. <laughs> Hi, Becky. Hi, Flint. Um, I notice that I never bring the pen and pencil with me when I'm here because it's been so rich for me across these years to simply take it in. And it seems like little bits stick for me and so on. And then they grow the next time I bump into something that's like mm -hmm. that. Or as you often go on and, and say it from a slightly different angle and so on, and then they come together. And that's been the best, the best way for me to be learning and taking it into myself. But today, you said something, and I only remembered two of the words, but as you as you completed it, I realized this is something I need right now in my practice with mm. the people I'm spending time with, trying to let them have some of the beauty of living in the presence and and to help hold them a little bit while they're going through the, you know, the what, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the um, so right near the end, you said four words that that I only could remember two of them once it was passed because, you know, that's the way it goes. But I think they'd be useful. So I'd like to ask you if you happen to know it, because I know sometimes when I'm talking, I can't remember the actual words I used because it just came through me instead of something I contemplated before. But basically, it was when you were talking about curiosity and presence, and then you said four words, one of which was patience, one was care. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those four qualities when I was unpacking gratitude, mm -hmm. was curiosity, 
patience, intimacy, and care. Okay. The uh, here here's a way. This is a funny way that I was trying to remember them myself. So watch this: curiosity, patience, intimacy, and care. Well, curiosity, open up. But patience, intimacy, and care. Thank you. That helped them go in? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Sometimes I have to use things because my memory's not so great, but if I embody it. Yes. Oh, I get open to the curiosity, and, and, and now something new is possible. But I have to be really patient with myself and with others meeting each thing as it is and then offering and but the care see this gesture of care is offering but it's also receiving receiving care thank you yeah thank Hopefully. you i'll let you know if it if it moves the next part into yes us. i i love what you said because it's i resonate with it so much i um, i don't usually take notes when i'm listening to a talk or Dharma talk, unless, for example, like um, that quote from Norman that from that talk, I had to pull over the car and put it in my phone, you know, so I could remember. <laughs> uh, but mostly I don't because I don't go back and look at my notes anyway. Taking them sometimes helps a little bit, but I don't go back. I realize I don't really look at them. Um, even my own notes. If I go back and look at a Dharma talk that I've made some notes about, it's like, I wonder what, what I was thinking at that time, uh, because I want to see what's fresh and then what grows from those seeds, which is what you were talking about, and just let it move through me. Yes. You know, uh, Sophie Cartier in, in Switzerland did all my translations into to, um, to French uh, from the English when I was speaking, and also um, the wonderful translators, various ones I had in, in Mexico who would translate to Spanish, they would always say, I can't stop and think about what you're saying because I'm translating, but the Dharma moves through me. It's moving through me as I speak it back in my language. You know, it's, it moves through. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Mala. Come back to the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful for the unpacking of gratitude because it's so relevant to what I've been feeling lately. Um, having crossed this threshold, everything is brand new and it's so exciting. And every time I turn around, I'm thinking, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful for that. I fell down on the ice today and I'm so grateful for the opportunity to know ice better and to know that I need to get crampons for my boots and just gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. And what was living in me was a curiosity about whether gratitude is a lazy thing. Like if I'm just grateful for everything, 
am I not thinking more complicated thoughts that I should be thinking? So sort of a self-judgment there. Yeah. Too much gratitude, too much gratitude. There's got to be more to life. Well, my postscript was about discernment. It's like, oh yeah, discernment is useful. It's because it's not just a first level gratitude. It's like, oh, I'm so grateful for that. It's a gratitude that goes beyond conditions. And so it's a, it's a, that's just the first level. Then it goes deeper. And that's why those other four qualities are, are important. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm curious about why would one feel gratitude for falling on the ice? That's not something you were grateful for. But if you have patience with yourself and the intimacy of the moment and think what's actually arising in this space and take good care of yourself and receive care, then something else moves and all of that movement is the gratitude. Right. Not, not just for the object or the activity. And you're describing that really nicely. So thank you for that because it, it provides that distinction that's important. Yeah. And it was really intimate being on the ground with the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, I'm sure it was. <laughs> Wow. Thank you for thank you for explaining what I was curious about. <laughs> well, it's it's fun to go back and forth like this because it opens for others, too. You know, I also uh, we can wish a good wishes for you for your hopefully with your injuries, and also I just want to make a note to everyone uh, for Claudine because she had a fall in Switzerland too, and um, please send your heart to her. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks. I'm always amazed at how little time it takes to go as deeply and as fully as we can go when we're practicing together. Because you think, I, I'm seeing Rosemary shake her head because I know she's a psychotherapist, you think, uh, gosh, we can't get everything in an hour session, you know, in the 50 minutes. But yet, how many people have we spoken to in the last 10 or 12 minutes? If we go directly to the, the issue, uh, to Francis now. There I kept go. waiting for everyone <laughs> to speak because what I what I have come up with seems so silly in a way, but it's what kept coming to me off and on during your talk today. And I'm I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan and this has been one of my favorite quotes. And you know, he's talking to Eeyore and Eeyore's of course lamenting about how he can't do this and he can't do that. He can't he can't write poetry, he can't sing. So Winnie the Pooh says it isn't easy because poetry and homes aren't things which you get. They're things which get you. And all you can do is to go where they can find you. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, yeah. So you become the, uh, the target that arrow hits every single time, the bullseye. Just be there. Be available. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what our practice makes us, and that's why I said this uh, wakefulness that we think of as so esoteric is right here, right now. It's available to you all the time. And we're putting ourselves in good goodness's way instead of harm's way. <laughs> so we can find us. That's wonderful. Thank you.
Guess I'm going to move to Oklahoma now. Hey, Steve. Hey, you see, I'm trying to copy you. <laughs> I like the way yours looks. <laughs> well, so I, I do have a, a pencil. I did copy down something you said, but uh, at the end of your talk, you said practice is about understanding who you are and what your life is about. And I know this is a common, this is a theme of your teaching. And each time you come around that theme, I get a little more unsettled. Uh -huh. Because to me, those are two huge mysteries. That's the and, point. <laughs> they are, you're right. But you, you, you can appreciate this. I'm once a graduate student, always a graduate student. If I'm given a challenge <laughs> yeah. to understand something, uh -huh. I want to be able to write a 50-page paper that's well-referenced and all of that. Exactly. And come and to a conclusion. I come to a conclusion. And I think what, as far as I've been able to work this is, if I can put this question about who am I? Okay. What's, what's this, this life about? about? If I can put it into words, that's not it. That's the all of the Tao Te Ching you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be who I am, but I can't say who I am. Yeah, that paper that you're going to write, that's called your life. <laughs> and the conclusion that you're going to come to, that's your death. Because those are unanswerable questions, but they're infinitely uh, evocative. They're, they're, they're a path to follow that doesn't abandon you and will unfold everything if you follow it. Not to, a f not to a conclusion that ends up narrowing. It's a path that opens up into mystery, into fullness, and that's worthy of leaking a little bit. If you, we come down to a final point, which I'm, I'm just like you in that one, you know, I don't end up weeping at those moments. I feel satisfied. And that's an illusion. So I've got it. And like you said, if you think that, you know you're off. <laughs> Is this just one more question about this or one more just kind of checking my understand about so the teacher um and thinking about this the teacher Nisargadatta is teachings of I am is this what he was getting at that we can say I am and then that's as far as we can go with it. Yeah. And he would sometimes say I am that uh, and truncated it. Yeah. He he was talking about what I was describing as pure presence. It's a little unsatisfying because we want answers, we want to understand things, but it's, but we can live our way into it. And that's why this process of inquiry and our time together is really useful because in, I may give some prompts in the way that I talk or teach and you all come forward so beautifully and wholeheartedly so that we can open that space that is otherwise very difficult to, to reach by just a thought. 
I am that. It was it was interesting to be with Joko back in the last couple of years of her life, because she was studying Nisargadatta and some of the other non-dual teachers, but Nisargadatta specifically and Krishnamurti. And that's why I often come back to that instruction. How simple are we willing to let this be? Can we rest in a pure presence, kindness, and that looks like these ordinary things, really, to realize what this seems to be about, which is really loving each other and letting ourselves be loved. So let, let's continue writing our papers together, this life. <laughs> And it's like we're to the end of our time now. So we'll remind ourselves of the way this practice kind of looks in everyday in life by chanting the four practice principles together. I caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment life as it is the only teacher being just this moment compassion's way caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centered thoughts exactly the dream each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Flint. Feeling so much gratitude right now for you, Flint, and for everybody i just noticing all the different sanghas all the different countries and states and feeling a lot of gratitude for zoom and technology right now and how it's brought us all together in this space in this room together so yeah lots of lots of gratitude if you'd like to offer dana to um to flint and or to any of the other teachers or um events at apamada then please do go to the calendar apamada.org forward slash contribute and just write in what you'd like where you'd like your contribution to go to in the little box that's that's provided to make sure that what you offer is goes where you want it to go so thank you all so much and if you'd like to continue to to meet and share please do stay right where you are pop yourself into gallery view and we'll continue for a further 30 minutes thank you all so much thank you